everything that's going on right now. We give you praise and we give you glory. Thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. My lovely wife, can you give me some water, please? <laughs> I need the water. It's hot. Nigerian experience. I'm not used to it anymore. <laughs> okay. Jesus was love's answer to the hopelessness of mankind. God is love. When God gave Jesus, He gave love to the world. I believe that the love of God was not known to any human, had never been here in our world until Jesus came. Or it was here before Adam fell, but after Adam fell, that kind of love was never known to man until Jesus came. And when Jesus came, He gave us that love. He made that love of God that was not available to us, He made it available to every human being. And if you want, you can experience that love, the love of Christ. And after experiencing the love of Christ, you can pass it on. You now have the ability to pass on the love of God. You can no longer say, I can't love in this case. Because the love of God is made available to you supernaturally to love everyone. That's why Jesus said, love your enemies. That was a strange word to hear for the Jews. To be in a land where you are controlled by Romans and they hated the Romans and they were their enemies and Jesus was telling them a new kind of love has come. And in this kind of love, I want you to love your enemy. If you want to live, if you want to know God because that love brought life to mankind. We were truly dying. The love brought life, it brought hope from heaven to mankind. And if you want to live, if you want to prosper, if you want to come face to face with God, the pure in heart shall see God. If you want to follow that, then be enlisted into the army of love, the army of God, to serve Him. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to give us hope. There was true hopelessness in the world before Jesus came. And there are a lot of people still experiencing hopelessness today. They are hopeless with regards to their finances, their family, the kids are going crazy. Nothing seems to be going well for them. But the truth is Jesus came to give us hope. It was love from heaven. And love gives hope. And no one can be hopeless anymore with Jesus in his or our lives. When Jesus comes, he brings hope. Now, look at this scripture, Romans chapter 5, verse 5. It says, now hope does not disappoint. The hope that is in Christ will never disappoint you. Regardless of where you've been. Regardless of how difficult things have been for you in your life. When you come to Christ and you have the hope that love Jesus brought from heaven, you will not be disappointed. Love, the hope does not disappoint because the reason why the hope of God will not disappoint you is because the love of God has been poured out. Amen. The love of God has been poured out. This love will take care of hopelessness in any life. If you open up your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and you accept Him into your life, hope 
hopelessness goes away. If you stay hopeless, that's because you don't understand the term of the covenant. God brought Jesus to the world. He gave us love when Jesus came. And then if you connect with that love, He brings you into a covenant of love with God. And in that covenant, you should no longer know hopelessness. In fact, I was reading in my scripture in the Bible, Isaiah 55, it says, You will be free from terror. Because fear will be far from you. A lot of Christians haven't experienced that. Because they have not known the kind of love that Jesus brought from heaven. If you get to know the love, you're fearless. If you walk in that love, there is nothing to fear. No one can harm you. Not even armed robbers, amen. <laughs> because people are afraid of people going into a place and somebody, or somebody comes in there to want to kill. They can kill you until your time is over. Until the appointed time comes. Because love is all around you. He brings hope to us. You know, in Ephesians, it says, well, I complete that scripture. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that He is giving to us. But now, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, it says that at that time, before you came to Christ, before you came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, at that time, you were without Christ. That's not a good place to be. Paul was telling the uh, new believers in Ephesus, he said, there was a time you were without Christ. And that's a terrible place to be. Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise. There is a covenant that God has given, the covenant of love that propels you, that brings you to the summit. Where you can see God face to face. Now I'm not talking literally, but you see God face to face in your heart. And your life is totally transformed. And only good comes after your life. You know, the, word, the scripture is true. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. God meant what he said. And that is happening today because Jesus has come. And goodness and mercy can follow you all the days of your life if you embrace the love of God. That's Jesus Christ. Goodness and mercy. It says you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise. This covenant, strong covenant, the promise that God made and swore to be their protector, to take care of their needs. To make sure that everything is well. And then Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. That before they came to Christ, they were outside this covenant. Having no hope. Without Christ, no hope. Without God in the world. How can a man live on the earth and walk through the life? Without God, that's a terrible place to be. You're so exposed. No wonder things are not going well. You've made all the money, you've, you've done everything, you've got the fine cars and all of that, but you're still not satisfied. You've done everything. Because the only true satisfaction comes from the love of God in your heart. God has poured it out. Not going to. God has already poured out the love of Christ into the world. All you have to do is receive it. Receive the love. 
And all of a sudden, your life is changed. How many of you experienced that when you came to Christ? Man, you loved everything. The world was new. I accepted Christ in 1975. Man, I was a wicked. I was really wicked. I know you don't see that, man. It's been a long time. But I was wicked. In fact, somebody said to me, he said, I don't think he will last as a Christian. Everyone else can make it, but this guy, it's no hope. He can't be a Christian. And they were right. I knew they were telling me to my face. Because they knew the kind of life I lived. They didn't know what had come into me. They couldn't see it. I knew I was going to be with Christ all for the rest of my life. That love was already there. Without God. But God has brought hope. After you come to Christ, there is hope. You can always know hope in Christ. Jesus brought His love from heaven. And then He commands us to love one another. He says, Beloved, those of you that know God, let us love one another. Because love came from heaven. Love is of God. And God is love. If you love, you know God. If you don't love, you don't know Him. That's what it says. And you know the Bible says, and the scriptures cannot be broken. So if you are not loving, if you have an enemy, somebody you can get along with, I can tolerate them, but I, I, God understands. Well, He doesn't. He doesn't. He wants you to love freely. He says, pray for your enemies. Do good to those. When you do good to them, then you'll find God. Then you'll get His company. You become one with Him. Until you begin to do it. You see, love is a spiritual thing. It is limitless. Everything we know in the natural has its limits. That love is not, in the nat- it's not a natural thing. It's a spiritual thing. I mean, I'm talking about the love of God. The love that we know, that's the human kind of love. That's selfish love. I love you if you give me good pies to eat. The day you quit make baking those pies, or you lose your ability to bake that kind of pie, uh, I don't know if I love you much anymore, you know, as I love you before. That's, that's human kind of love. That's failed us. He's brought people to the court. No one walking in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, this agape love that He brought from heaven, will go to court. One may be walking in that love and the other may not. And two cannot walk together except they be in agreement. Maybe that was in the past, but today God is offering a new day for you. You can come to Christ and everything will be changed. Some of you will make that decision today. I want that love. I want to experience that love. I want to know God. How terrible it is for a man to be on earth if if there is a true God. And I know there is God. And you have not experienced in one day of your life. I know there is a God. He poured out His love. And you didn't experience not a bit of it. And you died and left the world. That was a wasted life. So you have the opportunity today. You stand up. Yes. God, today is my day. You know, God says there is an appointed time for everyone. 
There is an appointed time. Today may be the day God has appointed for you. If you don't want to miss it. Just say, God, today is my day. I've been living for the past 55 years. And I've not known your love. Today, I want to experience it. I experienced it, boy. It was a, it was a, a, a great experience. Great from the Lord. Some of us have come to know that love. First John chapter 4, verse 7 and, uh, and 8. It says, Beloved, let us love one another. For, God, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. God is love. I like to look at the nature of this love we're talking about. What's the nature of this love? First John 4, 16 tells us this. And we have known and believed this love that God has for us. Notice what it says. We have known and we have believed. I know the love. I've experienced that love. And I believe in that love. We have come to know and believe that love that God has for us. For God is love. And he who abides in love, if you make your dwelling in love and refuse to ever step out of love, you abide in God. That's what he's saying. He who abides in love abides in God and God in him. In other words, you know, Jesus was the flesh that God used to walk among us. It was like a suit that God was wearing. The body we call Jesus was God's suit. If you read in the Bible, it says, to which God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. He was looking through his eyes. It was truly God. The body Jesus was this it was his suit. And now Jesus is gone and God wants to abide in you. You now become his new suit. And he walks through you. When you step out of it, you step out of your true nature after you've come to know him. And God says, What's going on here? The nature of this love that we've come to know in First Corinthians thirteen Verse 4, and, uh, 4 through 8. It says, Love suffers long in its kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. It's not provoked. That means it's not easily provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. I'd like to stop there a little bit. If you can't believe anything, oh, I don't believe that. Oh, I don't believe that, no. As for ignorant people, you have not known the love of God. People who know the love of God, they believe. Sometimes they are like, People can take advantage of them because they trust everybody. <laughs> they trust. They just believe. You tell them, oh yeah, 
and then they get hurt. That's the nature of the, God, the love of God. They believe all things. Endures all things. Love never fails. You know why love will never fail? Love is God. God is love. God can never fail. So if God is in you, you can fail. If you are operating out of love, you cannot fail. It may appear like you are failing because you are taking the way of the cross and they're nailing you to the cross and saying all kinds of things and they say, oh, love has failed. But wait, on the third day, love is back up again. More powerful than before. Walks through walls and into the hearts of men. Amen. Love will never fail. The love of God has been poured out in the hearts of the believers. Because we will not allow that love to flow through us, we still have people who are Christians that hate. People who are Christians that cannot forgive. People who are Christians that they, they wish people evil in their hearts. They, they will rejoice if something evil happens to somebody they consider their enemy. Glory to God, they say. Glory to God. God finally got him. And when they pray to God, and they read that scripture where the Bible says, you know, pray for your enemies. In that way, God will heap coals of fire on their head. And say, oh, I love that scripture. Let me pray to my God. So he heaps coals of fire and burn them to hell. You know, they love it. The prayer is not going to be accepted by God. Because we are not operating in that love. If we operate in that love, and truly operate in that love, you see the power of God manifesting in our lives in such great power. Love suffers long and is kind. Love suffers, the love that Jesus brought suffers long and is kind. The wife suffers long with the husband's misbehavior, but she's not kind. It doesn't take too long before she brings him the laundry list of all his ev the evils he's been doing. You know good, I've been tolerating you for all these years and all of that. How can that be love? Love suffers long. The love of God and is kind. It endures evil. Injury. Provocation. Without being filled with resentment. That's the love of God. No resentment. Jesus was our example. You know, I've been a pastor for sh not too long now. But people say, well, look at that fellow. He's causing so much problems in the church. We need to kick him out. Get rid of him. They're mad. They think they mean good. They mean good. 
That's the way the Pharisees thought. They were killing Jesus thinking they meant they were doing good. Get rid of them. So let's be patient. Pastor, can you see, can't you see what's going on? It's causing you a problem in your church. Get rid of them. I said, well, I already know about it. And I'm praying to God, you sent him here for a reason. And I can endure people leaving the church because of his behavior or her behavior. But give me that opportunity to bring change. When they are transformed and when they start testifying, I made it. Amen. Some have been changed. Same. Others have told God, God, I've done everything. Can you send him somewhere else? I really can't help him. <laughs> Man, I've been truthful, right? <laughs> and guess what? He did. He sent them away. And I'm sorry, but I, uh, Pastor, you, uh, I dance a little bit when they go. <laughs> Basically, what I'm saying, God, I, I, I've done my part. There's somebody who is better than myself that can help this person. Send them to that person. Amen? And they'll help them. I don't have the ability. I, I'm not able to. But no bitterness. No anger. Love suffers long and is kind. You know, if you're trying to be good to somebody, let's, let's, let's put it this way. You, you buy a car for somebody, right? A, a nice car. Uh, he drives the car in and, and the car is not washed. You walk up to him and say, well, how come I bought you this nice car and you, you didn't wash it? He says, well, it's my car now. The next day he said, well, the trunk, what, what are you doing with the trunk? I said, you can have your car, okay? You're good, but you're not helping me. <laughs> Turn me loose. Let me be. Let me be. No revenge. No indignation. The love of Jesus makes one firm and gives you the ability to endure insult without resentment. That's what he's saying. It makes you tough so you can endure what people are doing, everything that they're throwing at you. And because you love, you're looking for the best in your life. So you're not worried about it. You have your goal in your mind. I'm going to get there. Love will never fail. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 4, 8 and 9, And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. See? You, you know you have to do it. Do it. Don't grumble. Don't grumble about it. And he's talking about Christians being hospitable to one another. You're placed in the place where you have to do that. Do it out of joy. Don't grumble about it. Fervent love. You know what that means? Red heart love for one another. That's what Jesus wants. 
Because love then covers a multitude. In other words, it prevents a multitude of sins. You see it and you excuse it. You know it's wrong and they're going to do it again, but you excuse it. You're saying, he doesn't know better. That's what Jesus did on the cross, remember? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, if I was, if, you know, one of those Roman soldiers, what did he just say? We don't know what we're doing. We're killing you, right? We know what we're doing. But before the Father, Jesus represented them as not knowing what they're doing. That's what husbands should do with their wives when they are not acting right. I like my wife to do that to me. She does that all the time. Flaky pastor. Once again. <laughs> Get straight. We help one another to get better. Amen. We get, help one another to get better. Ephesians 4 verse 32. And be kind to one another. Kindness is not a, a curse word, okay? <laughs> be kind to one another. Sometimes, is that what it says? Every time. Be kind to one another. That's the love of Christ for us. Be kind to one another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another. If you're sitting there today and you can think of somebody that's wronged you and you can still feel the pain when you think about it, you have not forgiven. And when you have all forgiveness in your heart, God cannot live with bitterness. He is love. Love and hate and bitterness can't live in the same place. So you hedge him out. And things no longer work out well for you. You know, in our denomination, we believe in speaking in all the tongues. You speak in all of the tongues you want. You will speak in tongues until you're blue. I speak in tongues till I'm blue, but you won't see it, okay? <laughs> but God will not answer. There is bitterness in your heart. We got to turn loose of that. And let the, give room for the love of God that is already in your heart. Remember what Jesus said? There is a seed that fell among thorns, right? And didn't grow to perfection. There was no room for that seed to grow and bear real fruit because you've allowed these sort of things in. But when you let that thing go, God blesses you. Why do you want to destroy your life with somebody that's caused you so much pain? They have a lot of trouble. And you're going to get them to drag you down, your enemy. They're not worth it. Let them go. Let them go and be free. Forgive them. Buy them something. Amen. I remember once I had an individual that, you know, I, 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 I was so bitter about him. I'll just give you one thing that he was doing. I taught him how to cook Nigerian stew. And before long, he was teaching me how to cook Nigerian stew. And he got mad if I didn't cook it his way. And he had on his, his because I didn't listen to him, he had on his uh, a prayer book a, a list of people that he was praying for. And one, the, top, the top guy there was me. And he wrote beside it, he needs the love of God in his heart. 
and left it on, on the desk where I could see it. The final straw was one day, he, he, I gave him my car. I was a student in the University of Georgia then, working on my master's degree. I gave him my car to drive. And he drove the car. I said, hey, uh, it's wicked. He said, Brother Goodluck, I, I have this young man that I spoke to. I want to bring him to church so that he can receive Christ. Oh, I was excited. I said, you can have the car. Go get it. I said, hey, but the rejector is not working right. The water comes off. So you got to stop and put some water in the radiator so I'll still have a car when you're through with bringing this guy to church. I can't fix the car yet, it's weakened. And I, there was no money, I couldn't walk then. I didn't have uh, what they call green card. And so everything I had to, you know, do, well, everything I did was money from home. But anyway, he took the car, in spite of the warning, he came back and said, your car is in the street over there. Gone. I said, but I told, uh, I told God if I could strangle this fellow, I told him not to do that. I have water in the trunk for you to, to, to help the car with. Huh? Then he was mad because I got upset. Because of what he had done. He was truly mad. That's, I believe it was that time he wrote, he needs the love of God in his heart. And I was going to kill him. And then repent. <laughs> but one day, I, I, I was burning. That guy would not let me rest. He won't let, I can't move. If I sneeze, he, he, he could make a comment. If I put my shirt somewhere, he says, don't put it there. And then I obey, then he put his there. And then when I start putting mine back, I say, it's okay for, put, for me to put my shirt there. He says, you African, this is America. You can't put your shirt. I said, but I saw you put there. Oh, no. Lord have mercy. But I became so bitter. I was doing research. But my mind was not on the research. My mind was on this fellow that's been hurting me. And then uh, all of a sudden, uh, the Lord spoke to me. I'm not kidding you. The Lord spoke to me. He said, uh, now, uh, good luck, you have another Lord and Master of your life. And his name, and mentioned the name of this guy to me. I immediately replied back, no, anybody but him. He can't be my Lord and Master. You are, he said, no, he is your Lord and Master now. I said, no, Lord, he cannot be, not him. He said, okay, let's, let's go through this. I mean, and this is a true story. He says, let's go through this. Who do you think of first? The first person you think about when you open your eyes in the morning. I admitted, yes, Lord, it was, it's him. This has been hurting me. He said, when you go to sleep, by the time you close your eyes and you go to sleep, who was on your mind? Yes, Lord, he was him. I was really, I'm angry. And he said, now you're busy doing your research. You are not even paying attention to what you're doing. Who are you thinking about? I said, you're right. He's him. He says, well, he's your Lord and Master. I said, well, oh Lord, I'm finished. What am I going to do? So I cried out to the Lord. Please help me. I got, I'm, I'm dead. I'm finished. Please help me. And after I prayed, God, I said, God, I was weeping before him. I don't want this guy 
this flaky guy to be my lord and master. I, I mean, everything, anything but him. And, and, and then God said, okay, he's right. Uh, and I said, he said, but show your love now. I said, God, what am I going to do to, to, know, to make him know this thing is over? He said, you know he's been talking about buying tennis shoes. Or buy him a brand new tennis shoe. But oh, I, I don't have much money. Buy him a tennis shoe. A pair of tennis shoes. Go get him a good one. I had another roommate in that place. And he had been watching everything that we've been doing. So I bought him a tennis shoe. I said, God, is he going to be suspect? Is this going to su- suspect what I'm doing? And he said, what are you trying to prove here? Because we, at this point, we didn't, we didn't like each other very much. And he knew it. So I gave him the tennis shoe. And he said, you bought me tennis shoes. He was amazed. You bought me tennis shoes. I said, yes. You don't have much money. I said, I know. But, you know, the Lord made me know you've been asked, talking about buying a te- uh, tennis shoe, so I got it. And I was saying, God, please let us not go this way where I have to tell him that I've been praying and God has forgiven me. I just wanted him to have his tennis shoes. <laughs> so he, he immediately, he was amazed. He, he, he turned around and said, thank you very much. Well, I was glad. He didn't know what I was doing. He went across the hallway and went to the, the, uh, my, the other roommate and said, Guess what? Good luck bought me tennis shoes. And my other roommate said, Huh? I wonder why he did that. <laughs> I was shaking in, my, in the other room because I could hear them. And he said, Oh, uh, uh, the other guy said, Is he not a nice, he's a real nice tennis shoes? The other guy said, I know, but I wonder why he did that. <laughs> it must be a hypocrite, you know. And then he kept saying it to him. I, hmm, I wonder why he did that. And my friend said, that's because he loves me. Hey. Again, the friend. You can talk to Pastor Addison. He didn't know about this. But they used to call it, they, they used to think, after that, we were like, they joke, the church. You see him, you see you know, David and Jonathan, that's the way we were. After that, his whole life was transformed. After he graduated, he'll send money from, he was a pharmacist, he'll send money back to me to help. We became so close. He'll tell me things he'll never tell anybody. When you demonstrate love, the love of God, big transformation. I can't go into the story, but God did something so so dramatic opened his eyes afterwards as to what he was doing to me. And he turned around so sharply and all the way. Love never fails. It will not fail. We must love with a tender heart. Amen? Love does not envy. The love of God suppresses envy and jealousy. I want you to do well. How can I envy somebody that I'm wishing well? You understand what I'm saying? The Bible tells us to prefer the other person to ourselves. I want you to do well. I can't be jealous of you. We are a team. Amen? If you're doing well, I'm doing well. If Pastor West becomes 
the greatest pastor in the United States, I'll still be saying, I was his pastor. He knows that. Ask him. Amen. And if you become the president of the United States, I'm glad. I'll call you. Hey, here is your pastor calling you. Bring that tithe of whatever the government is giving you. It comes to my church. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on your side. You know what that does? When you know that I'm on your side, I can tell you things without you being angry. I can criticize you and you're not angry. You receive it. But when there's jealousy, you walk, you've stepped out of love. And the Bible says where there is envy, jealousy, every evil work will come in. You have no place for that. That's why the Bible says the nature of the love that Jesus brought from heaven has no room for jealousy. You can't have it. It suppresses it. And if it's not suppressing it, that means you are suppressing the love of God and you are letting envy arise in you. God is love. We must love one another. You rejoice in my, I rejoice in my brother's prosperity. If he's building a great home, I'm glad. I said, Lord, bless him. Even give him a bigger one. When he becomes too, so wealthy, one day he considers to build a little one for me. No, okay. <laughs> bless him. We rejoice together. You're not grieved at the other's prosperity. When they are promoted, you are not bothered by it. That's your brother. You love it. And you rejoice in it. Galatians 5.26 Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Saul envied David. Remember King Saul? He lost everything. Committed suicide. Destroyed himself. And took along many family members out of jealousy. The love of Jesus is not like that. Love is not arrogant. It's not haughty. Not conceited. Not proud. Big-headed. Not self-important. So you walk by me and I didn't say hello to you. He says, how dare him? Doesn't he know who I am? Are you bigger than Jesus? <laughs> Love is not arrogant. Philippians 2 verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or what you call vainglory or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. See? If you esteem him better than me, I don't have trouble with him. He's better. That's the way God made him. That's the true love of God. Sometimes pastors get jealous too. That's a strange one. You know? They get jealous. Maybe a member in the church is really on fire for God and God is used. I've seen that. Pastor gets jealous. That's an evil thing. When you are in place of authority and you're jealous... must esteem the other better. No selfish ambition. You are not arrogant. Love is never rude. 
Notice what he says. Love is never rude. You can talk to your wife, you can talk to your husband, but never rude. I believe that the best thing to do, if there's a problem, the best thing to do, think about it, the best way to say it to the person without causing conflict. Two people can say the same thing. One is rude and the, the, the fellow doesn't receive and reacts. Another person can say it and they will respond positively. If you say it in a rude way, what have you accomplished? You have accomplished nothing. You have done nothing. Everything that we do must lean towards redemption. There is a time to holler at somebody. But when, they, when you're hollering at them, they know it's because you love them and you want the best for them. That's love. Love is never selfish. Love is the enemy of selfishness. The love of God. For young people, you have to understand this. The love that the world talks about is selfish love. It's what they can get. But love is never selfish. If a guy is saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, many girls, many guys have been so destroyed because they laid it all out in supposed love. But the other person was just operating out of selfishness. And the life is destroyed because of selfishness. Love has never destroyed anything. So when there is distrust, destruction, love is not part of it. Love doesn't do what is evil. Love doesn't hold back from what is good. That's the love of Christ. We as believers must abstain from selfishness. Philippians 2 verse 4 Let each of you look out not only for his own interests but also for the interests of others. Interests of others. For young people, think about this. Somebody is going to be your husband. Somebody is going to be your wife. Today, are you looking up to their interest in the future? This is the time to start. Jesus knew he was going to go to the cross before he came from heaven. He got himself ready. When you abstain from what the world calls love, young people now, what you're really doing, you enter into a covenant to keep yourself. If God was looking for a Mary today, would he find one? If God was looking for a Joseph today, would he find one among the young people? Would he? But you know, the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Guess what? He's still looking for Marys. He's still looking for Josephs. He's still looking for them. Are you going to be one of those? To be a virgin when you're giving yourself. Today, you are not looking for your own interest. 
When you go out there and you are with a guy, or go out there and you are with a, uh, uh, a lady, what you're actually doing if you're saying you're enjoying, you're not thinking about the future. You are looking out for your own interest. That's not love. Love looks out for the interest of the other. You're looking out for the interest of the one that you have not met. The one that God has prepared for you to live with all for the rest of your life. And when you do that, believe me, you're not only doing it for the man. You do it and God notices. And He blesses you. And I can prove that. When Mary was doing a thing to keep herself for Joseph, she thought she was doing for Joseph, right? But God was thinking about His Son. Amen. And it, that applies to every area of life. When you look out for the best for your, for your employer, He notices. When you come in early and you take over the business like it's your business, and he comes in early because he has something to do. And he sees you arranging stuff and moving and you are a new employee. He says, what are you doing here? His mind, maybe he wants to steal something. Why are you here so early? He said, no, sir, I, I know that this guy is going to be needing this and that guy is going to be needing this. I observed them, so I'm trying to get everything ready for them uh, before they come so that they can actually do their job. He goes, hmm. Thank you. He walked away. He started thinking. I wonder why he did that. Remember? <laughs> I wonder why he did that. And he's going to watch to see, is he going to be consistent? Now after a while he begins, he loves me. He likes my business. If he needs a business partner, if he needs somebody to hold, somebody he could trust, guess who he's looking for? You're doing it for the Lord. But man will notice as well and benefit from it. Love is never selfish. Let me put it this way as I close. You see, love gives everything. Love looks out for the interest of the other. That's what Jesus did. That's what God the Father did. For God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son to help us, right? He didn't hold back. He was looking for our interest, right? What have you done for him? Are you looking out for his interest? Have you even made the first step? Because the first thing to do is to know Christ as Lord and Savior. When you accept Him into your life, you honor Him for the first time in your life. Basically, you're saying to God, I respect what you have done. And I'm sorry that for these years I didn't know it. If you do it out of faith, God will instantly come into your heart. And everyone that has accepted Christ, you know that feeling. I know it's faith, but there's a feeling that goes along with it. And I felt it. It's a huge feeling. It's like a load taken off from you. Will you get off of selfishness today and let Jesus in? Remember what the scripture says. Jesus said, I stand at the door 
and I'm knocking. For some, they've left him outside the door all their lives. They won't let him in. Is that a good thing to do? And he is the Lord. God wants to come into your life today. And you can receive him. Young people, make this commitment to your God. Decide fully. Prepare your heart like Rehoboam did. He says, Rehoboam did not prepare his heart to follow God, so he did what was evil. You prepare your heart to follow God. That's what we're doing today. And God will make sure that he follows through with his own part of the covenant to keep you, if you mean it from the heart. Pastor West, would you come to the ceremony? message it's been over 10 years since my wife and I 